freedom, liberty, and libertarianism, I think to me is basically just about being, you know, understanding other people, being considerate to other people, and being polite. You know, you, you wouldn't walk into somebody else's house and, you know, start kicking things about. You wouldn't start taking the stuff. You wouldn't start breaking their arms and legs or their property. You know, that's just common sense and polite behavior. You know, if we understand that that's how we behave to other people in private context, why wouldn't we just behave towards other people uh, like that all the time? And I think, you know, if you present it that way, if you look at it that way, I think a lot more people should want to live their life in this way. Hello, and welcome to episode 53 of The Liberland Show. I'm your host, Adam J. Carswell. Today we are joined by Tomas Slidnik, the Lieberland representative to Guernsey and Sark. Tomas, thank you for coming on the show. And do you have any opening remarks for our listeners here today? Adam, a very good afternoon. First of all, thank you very much for inviting me to the show. It's a pleasure to be here. Um, I've uh, listened to a couple of your episodes, so it you know, will be an interesting conversation to have. I'm definitely looking forward to it, and I'm, I'm grateful that we had some time to get to know each other before this call as well. Um, I know you just recently presented at the Liberland Summer Conference, which was at Floating Man 2020, and you had a great presentation there. I might have some, some follow-up questions for you on that presentation. Uh, but ladies and gentlemen, Tomas and I also uh, come from the same bloodline as well. Even though he's in Guernsey and Sark, he is a Yugoslavian at heart and by, and by blood, and so am I. So, uh, dobro brate, good to have you here once again on the show. Yes, uh, so uh, I'm glad you enjoyed my liberal, liberal uh, floating man presentation, by the way. I wasn't entirely sure what I was supposed to talk about, so <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm pleased that it was well received. Yeah, I mean, you had, if any, I don't know if fooled is the right word, but you had me uh, definitely believing that that was a well thought out, planned out presentation, so good job. Everyone listening today, You'll never know if we had this conversation planned out or if we just did it on the fly because I think that must be some kind of a Slovenian skill or something there, Tomá. Well, I mean, I did, did mention, uh, you know, what to talk about and I sort of, you know, had a little bit of a think beforehand um, and uh, <laughs> pleased that a lot of people liked it. So it's good. You know, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spill the beans a little bit here too. You just reminded me. It was funny because, you know, we had our list of speakers, including yourself, um, on that day. And we had a few speakers that weren't able to make it and we didn't know till last minute. And so the speaker schedule got completely flipped upside down. And oftentimes I didn't know who was speaking until like 30 seconds before the next speaker. I think you were one of the people where I was like, Oh, eh, Tomas is up next. <laughs> there you go. Uh, but that was, it was great. Um, you know, to, um, for us, it was virtual, but to spend some time during this era with uh, people who are aligned with, you know, what, what we get excited about and you know, what we believe in, which is, you know, the true principles of freedom and Liberty. So Talking about that, we're, we're going to get to know your, your professional and personal background a little bit here, Tomas, but could you share, you know, just a little bit about how you first got started with Lieberland and, and what it was that drew you to the country? That's a good question, actually. I, I think I'll have to think about how I first learned about Lieberland. Um, I think I somehow learned about it, and I think I wrote to, to Vix, um, you know, inquiring about it and mentioned that I'd been involved in SARC and SARC's constitutional process which I thought would be relevant to Liberland. It was, you know, trying to draft uh, its own constitution at the time. And then I don't think I heard from anyone for some time. And then I did hear 
from somebody and I might have been with himself personally and he I think he suggested that I come to Prague and I said okay and I saw I hopped on a plane and visited him in Prague and uh, we had a very interesting meeting and he appointed me the representative I think initially to Sark there and then um, I you know I thought um, I've always had an interest in small independent jurisdictions you know it's kind of a little bit like I, I'm a sovereign man I like my own personal sovereignty and I like small places which love their own sovereignty and their own quirky way of doing things mm -hmm. and Sark is one such place and I thought um, you know I've often thought about in this world where socialism is everywhere how do we how do we have some place where you can have freedom I mean that's in a way part of how I ended up on Sark, but Sark started perhaps losing some of that freedom partly. I think, you know, if, he, if we wanted to have uh, freedom, and I was uh, also hearing about Patrick Friedman's initiative about uh, seasteading, and yeah. I came to the conclusion that even if you have seasteading, you still need a base. So how do you find a base? Where do you find a base where you have a sort of libertarian uh, administration? Uh, and I thought about this, you know, maybe about acquiring a place somewhere else, maybe acquiring an island somewhere in the Pacific, which is a small place. And so in that context, I came across the Liberland idea. So that kind of meshes with what I've been thinking about myself already. You know, if you have a sovereign piece of land um, and you use that as your country base, you can develop all these floating boats as well, which carry the flag of that jurisdiction. So I think it's important to have a place like that. So I thought it was interesting. Yes. And, you know, you bring some other things here to my attention. I forgot. I mean, you mentioned this to me before, but you've lived in some other similar places that most people have never even heard of. I know for myself, especially not you know, being born or raised in Europe, I had no idea where Guernsey and Sark uh, were until we hopped on the phone. And then after that, you know, I think I just started Googling anything I could that was similar. Um, but I know you have some history in some small Caribbean islands as well. You mentioned you like the sovereignty of these small places. You know, how did you first even start getting introduced to, you know, maybe people who lived in these areas? Because it's something where, I, you know, this is an example. I wouldn't even know about it if I didn't know you. So how did you first start going down this rabbit hole? Yeah, it's, it's a very good question. So, I mean, you know, and hardly anybody's heard of Sark. Even people who know about the, the Channel Islands, people who know about Jersey and Guernsey, they rarely know about Sark. And I've lived in a lot of places. So I was born in Slovenia, as you mentioned before, which was Yugoslavia at the time still. And then I lived in Italy and the UK and the US and Singapore and Australia. And, uh, and I was living in all these big places. And one thing that I always noticed is that although there were a lot of good things about places, for example, Australia was beautiful. I really enjoyed my time in Australia. And it was sunny and, you know, very friendly people and, uh, and, and other places too. I like the U.S. And, and, but I always found that the one thing that I didn't like about this place is always boiled down to some bureaucrat throwing his weight about, some policeman, you know, stops you for allegedly speeding or doing something like that and really throws their weight about. And I didn't like this authoritarian approach. And so I, the first place which was a little bit offbeat that I ended up with was Anguilla, which is a little island in the Caribbean, uh, which also relatively few people have heard of. But I think, um, I think at least it's, um, on, for example, if you, if you search the CIA Factbook of Intelligence, it's listed as one of the countries and territories that they cover, but you know, nobody covers SARC. <laughs> um, I ended up on Anguilla sort of by piece of serendipity. I wanted... I was an academic, I was a student and then I was an academic and I wanted to become a self-employed entrepreneur 
And it was, yeah, it was a complicated process when it's when it's used to following the approved process, you know, being a student, working in academia, which governments make easy, and you want to become an entrepreneur, where suddenly visas become much more difficult to get, you know, you either have to invest tons of money, which as a starting entrepreneur I didn't have, or, you know, you have to leap through hoops. And so I, I kind of ended up a little bit, it, it was a long process of searching for a place, but I ended a little bit, uh, a little bit through accident. And as before I even went to Anguilla, I also visited Sark as a place, and I liked Sark, but immigration was impossible for me at the time. So I went to Anguilla, Anguilla was beautiful. It's, an, it's, a, you know, it's a bigger place. It's, it had about 12,000 people at the time, I think. Sark wow. only has a population of about 400. Um, but again, you know, very interesting, very sort of lightly governed, much more free. But nevertheless, Sark, even compared to Anguilla, was, uh, you know, a, a libertarian paradise when I first moved to Sark. Yeah. And what's interesting is that even though it's such a small population, Sark has its own parliament, its own legal system, completely separate set of laws, its own police force consisting of two volunteer policemen. You have its own defense force, which is another very quirky arrangement. It's self-contained. It's basically a small country. And uh, for 450 years, it has maintained a budget, uh, a balanced budget. It's been financially prosperous, which you would think, you know, how, how is it feasible for a small jurisdiction like that to have everything that a country needs and yet, you know, be, be run on a very low, small budget and be run very efficiently and profitably. I feel like I want to go visit Sark now just to see it. You know, shifting to your involvement with Lieberland, one thing that you mentioned, and I mentioned this after your speech, and it, actually if you could just give some highlights too, because I think you named maybe like four or five principles during your speech about, you know, what needs to take place in Lieberland. Am I getting that right? Oh, yes. You're talking about how to develop a entrepreneurial a possibly venture-funded startup community in Liberland. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what were the four? It was a four or five steps that needed to take place. Yes, I mean, I was. Um, Feet asked me to say, you know, how can we develop a venture capital community in Liberland? I mean, it's. I think it's a long-term project. That I, you know, I, I mentioned you need a, a certain number of things, and the very first thing, the, the foundation to everything else, is you need to have a legal system and a way of resolving conflicts which people trust. So in other words, before anyone is going to invest money in companies that are registered in your jurisdiction or in your jurisdiction, they need to be comfortable that this money is not going into a black hole and uh, you know, that, that the investment is secure, that the title they have to whatever they own is secure, and if there's a dispute that there's going to be a non-corrupt, uh, reliable, trustworthy system of resolving disputes. And that was that first ingredient that un un underlies also the other, uh, the others. So, which were first you need uh, you need a, you need a startup ecosystem in order to have some, some something to invest in. Uh, you need uh, there to be customers. You need there to be a market accessible to these startups. I mean, this market won't be in Liberland because it's too small. But you must have customers that are willing to buy from companies that are based in Liberland. Uh, you know, they must, and, and for that, they must trust the legal system. Mm -hmm. And of course, after the after you have the, the the startups and the markets, which allow the startups to grow, you need to have companies willing to buy these startups because venture investors want to be able to sell their startups, and that that again requires you know all the all the proceeding. You need uh, you need the startups, you need the markets, and you need the buyers to be able to trust the legal system and the assets that they're buying that they're actually buying something, and if there's a dispute that they'll have a 
an impartial way of uh, enforcing those disputes. So I think these these are the things that I was uh, identified as the key ingredients. And it, so is your, because um, we didn't touch on your background yet. We, I know we talked about the different places around the world you've lived and, you know, where you've been. Uh, but is your background in venture capital? I'm an angel investor. So it's, uh, there's a, uh, uh, there's uh, various people that invest in startups, in privately owned companies. Um, and so venture capitalists are people that manage funds where other people invest in. Angel investors are people who invest their own money. Um, they have uh, some other categories of investors, which and you have uh, you have corporate venture capitalists, which are corporate arms of uh, so which are venture arms of corporates, which are primarily looking for corporates to outsource their R and D. And then there's also the private equity people who buy private companies and then run them and then sell them at profit. So there's different players. But I'm, I'm now uh, an angel investor. I haven't always been an angel investor, uh, but background before that, I'm a technologist, a computer scientist, a mathematician, and a, and a technology entrepreneur. All right. Good to know. Yeah. For, I mean, for any of our listeners right now, I'm kind of going to do a little plug here. I know one project that I'm personally excited about which uh, Tomas, I'm sure we can connect. I can send you more information or make a connection down the line. Is libertyfund.io. It's the first time you're going to hear about it here on the Lieberland show. Uh, but one of our real estate leaders of, of Lieberland, Michael Flight, is working on a security token project uh, with myself. Tomas, I'm not sure if you're familiar with security tokens, and that's not really the focus of today's discussion, uh, but it did come to mind just now. And so guys, that's, that's going to be coming in, in a future episode, an interview with Michael. I guess I am curious though, are you, are you familiar with the technology behind security tokens, Tomas? So I'm certainly, uh, uh, IT security and cryptography are some of my areas of interest, but I don't, I don't know that I particularly know security tokens. I know of, uh, you know, blockchain tokens and, 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 mm -hmm. and ICOs and all that kind of stuff, but maybe you can tell me about it. Yeah, looking forward to it. I'll definitely uh, keep you updated. It's something that this is probably the most public we've gone with it. So hopefully Michael doesn't get uh, <laughs> too upset with me for, for putting it out there. I'm sure he'll just have a good smile on his face. But yeah, I mean, we're getting near the end of our time here, Tomas. I thank you so much. Um, and I thank you for, for dealing with, uh, <laughs> I might have had some connectivity issues along the way and you've been a, a great sport about it. Any closing remarks before we get out of here? Maybe uh, some principles of freedom or liberty that you know you found valuable that you would consider like a life philosophy freedom liberty and libertarianism i think to me is basically just about being you know understanding other people being considerate to other people and being polite you know you you wouldn't walk into somebody else's house and you know start kicking things about you wouldn't start taking the stuff you wouldn't start breaking their arms and legs or their property you know that's just common sense and polite behavior, you know, if we understand that that's how we behave to other people in private context, why wouldn't we just behave towards other people uh, like that all the time? And I think, you know, if you present it that way, if you look at it that way, I think a lot more people should want to live their life in this way. So. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Agree with that. And, um, you know, one, one other funny thing I wanted to joke about was how you're telling me, uh, well, both of us, we haven't been able to travel like we normally like to or or have in the past but you said in the past every now and then when you traveled you would wear a mask just to prevent yourself from getting ill and people would look at you kind of weird and uh <laughs> it's funny how the narrative has kind of shifted since then yes i mean i i so i i you know i used to fly a lot before this uh, coronavirus hit and uh been wearing a mask for many years and there's you know two good reasons to wear a mask one is you on, on airplanes you you're very likely to catch a viral infection anyway even 
you know, if it's not the coronavirus, it can be the flu or the cold. And so it does offer you some protection. Also, you know, when you're traveling and you get sick, when, you, when you're traveling and you have to get home, you know, you, normally I don't travel if I'm sick because, you, don't, you know, I don't want to, I mean, first of all, I want to get better myself, but also I don't want to share my viruses with other people. But when you're on a business trip and you have to get back, you have to get back. And so if you wear a mask, you're really doing a lot to protect the people sitting next to you. So, you know, in a sense, it's uh, both good for yourself and polite to, to other people. So, um, but I did this voluntarily many years before it became a big thing. So, uh, you know, I know and the flight attendants <laughs> used to uh, be very surprised and perplexed by why I was wearing a mask in, in those days. Yeah, it's funny that, uh, that they would be like, why are you wearing a mask? And then now it's just complete opposite. So I guess you could cons- consider yourself a trendsetter. For better or for worse? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I just, I guess I just do what I feel is right for me. And I think everyone should do that. Think with yeah. your own head and do what you think is right for you. And I think you get it right more often than not. Yeah, that's, that's a great quote right there. If you didn't already share some good philosophy as well, do, do what's right for you. Well, Tomas, again, thank you so much for joining us here today. And yeah, it's just been a real pleasure having you on the show. Adam, th- thank you very much. Uh, it's a, the pleasure has been mine, and thank you for inviting me. You got it. Oh, you know what? <laughs> I almost signed off. Tomas, what's the best way for anyone listening to follow up and get in touch with you? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I guess you. I guess you could send me an email. I, I'm just trying to think. So I'm. Uh, I've got, I get so many emails. If so, I have a website. T o m a z dot name and. So if you send, we can use email, that. If, yes, if you send an email, say to info at tomaz.name. Okay, perfect. You got it. We'll put that in the show notes. Uh, thank you one more time. And My uh, pleasure. yeah, here we go, ladies and gentlemen. This has been episode fifty-three of the Liberland Show, and we were joined today by Tomas Slibnik, the Liberland representative to Guernsey and Sark. I'm your host, Adam J. Carswell. Thank you for tuning in. And we will catch you in the next episode. If you enjoyed the Liberland show, be sure to check out my personal podcast as well, Dream Chasers interviews with the future. A link to Dream Chasers is in the show notes. And lastly, if you've noticed, we do not have any ads here on the Liberland show and we intend to keep it that way. The production of the show is completely voluntary. I know for myself, it's a lot of fun. If you like what you hear, if you want more Liberland content to continue to come your way, don't worry, I got you. And I would really appreciate any type of donation whatsoever, just because that always puts a smile on my face too. So donations can be sent to the Bitcoin or Ethereum receiving addresses below in the show notes. It's up to you guys and what your preference is. If you've never used Bitcoin or Ethereum, now's the perfect time to get your first action in the crypto market. Thanks again for tuning in. And like we always say, we will catch you in the next episode.